Hey everybody, welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King. I'm Brendan Porter. With families and day jobs, we know it's hard to find time to get out there with your camera. So Brendan and I joined together and made the commitment to go out consistently and build up our landscape and astrophotography portfolios. We live in Utah and are lucky to have so many beautiful landscapes all around us. Not only do we have five national parks right here in Utah, but we are only a day or less drive away from 30 other national parks. So we created PhotogAdventures.com, this podcast, and our YouTube channel to chronicle our adventures. Come along with us to amazing places and learn from our mistakes and our successes. We hope that you get out there too and have a photog adventure of your own welcome to episode 16 everybody this is the first episode of our brand new year on this side of the new year's day celebrations welcome hey some of you have noticed on our twitter and facebook pages that i mentioned how my wife surgery went well and now she is in recovery the situation with that has been nightmarish because she has done surgery on both her ankles. She had extra bones in them and she needed to get them removed and implants put in so that her feet don't pronate eventually. She had no issues currently other than clicking and some pain, but we had a good year of insurance coverage, so we figured let's do it right now. And she did both of her ankles and she's down and out. And so my wife has not been able to do anything other than just rest on the couch. And so I've been taking care of her and my little girl who's eight months old and my boy who's four years old. And so it's been long days going to work, coming back and just being home. So I haven't had a chance. I have not had a chance to get out and do any photography adventures for the last four weeks and we've got another two weeks to go before I'm really given the freedom but things are starting to look up things are starting to get better and able to get out there so we apologize for any delays that's caused on our YouTube videos as we've been doing a lot of work there and I've been editing as much as possible but Brendan's hard at work on Zion right now we just yeah. looked at his thumbnail for YouTube it looks awesome I can't wait to see that video yeah that was a fun picture to actually edit because I was not happy with the original results it's fun what processing can really do it really is and a little photoshopping I did a big panoramic of that area, and so I had to do some crazy, like, cropping and tilting to make it look right, and then once I did a sky replacement and brought some of those colors out, man, I really like that picture. Started now. singing. Yeah. And I also have another video of Bryce Canyon, where we went down there for the Perseid meteor shower. We're editing that video right now. So we have Bryce coming out, Zion coming out. We mentioned last time that we have other videos like Creative Jam and a trestle, where we went out to a train trestle. So we have tons of content yeah, coming. Yeah, some fun stuff coming up. 2017 is going to be fantastic as we show all these adventures that we had in 2016, but then more coming our way. Yeah. We're heading out to some cool places, and we'll talk a little bit more about that today. Yeah, so in today's um, episode, we're going to talk about some winter photography, um, some stories that we didn't mention yet from 2016, some untold stories. And then we're going to have gear time and tip of the week after that. So Right now in Utah, we have tons of snow out here. And it has been difficult. My wife's been down, but I've had these hours. There was this one day. Now, I'll just tell you up front, this is not going to end with me succeeding at getting a good shot. <laughs> so don't get your hopes up as I describe this scene because this scene was so beautiful. I'm out here working, editing Bryce Canyon video, and I'm coming in. I have my daughter who's about to wake up and about to need to be fed in the middle of the night. And so I'm thinking, okay, I'll feed her, then I'll go back to bed. I look outside and we have six inches of fresh powdery snow. Utah, dry, powdery mm -hmm. snow. It is looking great. The city is silent. I am loving how quiet the city is and how untouched everything looks. I couldn't wait to get out, so I thought, okay, I'm going to feed my daughter, I'm going to grab my camera, and then I'm going to go. I was so stoked about it because once I put her down for sleep again, I have several hours before she wakes up, and yeah, I could just yeah. lose sleep that night 
and go out with my camera and I haven't been out for so long. I was really excited Itching about to get that. Out there, yeah. yeah, burning. So as I'm feeding my daughter, I'm going through my head, okay, where do I want to head out? Where do I want to go? And this is what I want to talk about with you guys. Winter photography is a pain. I mean, yeah. so here I'm thinking about my plan and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to go here. And the only place that's close by that I can avoid going too many hours away since I don't have much time is up Dry Canyon. I can go uh -huh. to Dry Canyon, hike up that hill. And here I'm thinking, oh, no, I don't have my crampons yet. I'm ordering snowshoes that have crampons. I could use them, what but they're not here What do crampons actually do? Basically, picture putting cleats on a regular pair of shoes. Mm -hmm. So you're attaching the bottom part of cleats to your okay. shoes, metal typically. So, so your snowshoes don't currently have those? No, it's just that I don't have any snowshoes. At all? Either, mm -hmm. Okay. Nothing. Okay. Not an option. And typically they do come with crampons so that you have some good right. grip on your front toe so you won't slide on areas. And you've also got the flotation of the snowshoe that helps you stay Yeah, up. so it's good and like kind of icier when your snow kind of is different between slushy, powdery, and ice. It can, yeah. You can have a variety. And grip in any slick through. situation, okay. steep situation. Right. And so these crampons, you can add them to your other boots. They'll have crampons that you can just have a webbing that you stretch out, mm. put it on your regular mm -hmm. shoe. I've and now your those. shoe has spikes. And yeah. those spikes keep you gripped in icy yeah. situations. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't have those. And I realized, okay, that's going to be a little bit tougher, but I bet I can do it. And then I started realizing the biggest issue. My white car, flat tire. I don't know what happened to it, but in the last week before... Last week before this, I lost a tire. It just went flat sitting out in the driveway. So I can't drive that. I have to drive her other car that's only really safe to drive between my home and the train station. I don't right. use it to go far. Older, I certainly car. don't yeah. use it to go up hills that are slick and covered in snow. That untouched mm. world that I wanted to capture was untouched by plows and everything. That's true. <laughs> and so You're basically landlocked at that point. Yeah, I realized very quickly that the logistics of going out in the winter, you just can't go willy-nilly especially at a time like that where i would have been completely alone no one to tell where i went and if anything went wrong <laughs> uh, what's that's the, the problem with sneaking out at night see nobody knows well, i wasn't sneaking out i know but I'm just i just saying. wasn't gonna wake my wife up first before i did it right so Which you're technically still sneaking sounds out. like I'm sneaking out. Yeah, she would have let me go. You're a, you're adult sneaking out. I mean, you're doing <laughs> photography like a lot of us have to do, but right. You know. So yeah. I started realizing that, you know what, I can't go to Dry Canyon because the pathway up to there is so steep. That road is crazy steep. Mm, Even if I yeah. made it up it in this car, I would have just been at the mercy of gravity on the way down. If I didn't spin entirely around out of control and just freak myself out, I would have hit cars that were parked at the side of the road. Yeah, and I've been there before. It's not fun. Oh, oh my gosh. It was freaky. And I, I just wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared for it. So I thought, where else can I go? What else am I going to do in the winter? If I, if I have these scenarios where it's beautiful new snow and I can get out there and capture mm. an awesome scene, but then I don't have any means of getting out there, Right. Where, can, where else can I go? What else can I do? And here's what I want to talk about with you guys and give you a recommendation about the website, The Outbound. So he showed this website to me earlier, and it seems like a really awesome tool. And uh, he'll explain it to you more as he pulls it up. So theoutbound.com. So put this in your guys' favorites. Outbound. The okay. Outbound. Don't forget okay. the the. Put this in your favorites. Get this linked on your computer if you have not been to this site yet. Because this is not just a Utah thing. It is an awesome website that gives you an idea of cool adventure things that you can do in your area. And there's an app, it says, on the App Store. If you're, That's if you're right. IOS, there's an app for that. 
at least on iOS is guaranteed. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. So outbound, the best local outdoor adventures. And what I loved about this is you can find local adventures, click on that and it just fill out the city has activity options from backpacking, chilling, diving, fitness, kayaking, cycling, canoeing, body mm. surfing, skiing. And so I'm going to check hiking. I'm going to check photography. I'm going to check snowshoeing. And then there's another filter where you can add a bunch of other stuff where you have amenities nearby, handicap accessible. But what I'm going to put down here is winter. So I'm checking winter. So I have hiking photography and snowshoeing chosen, winter, and my city that I live in here in Orem. And now I got a map that shows a bunch of points on the map of really cool pot potential hiking trails. That's so cool. Backpack to Silver Lake, climbing the Lone Peak Cirque going in hiking South Thunder Mountain, ski or snowboard. And I didn't even know about this, but there are there are actually hot springs in Saratoga. Saratoga Springs? Yeah. That's what it's yeah, that's why it's called Saratoga. It springs. makes complete sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I I was just under the assumption that they thought it sounded nice. Not that they were naming it after any actual right. natural Right. occurring event or natural occurring um cool hot spring there and so saratoga springs which is only 20 minutes away from my house has a hot spring and so now i've got that i can 20 go minutes? out to if i drive wow yeah my we wife's driving that, about 30 so now when i had this issue of logistics i can't go up the hill to dry canyon because my car can't handle it what can i do i have options that are just outside of city limits that are off of roads that would be paved i know places where i want to go and the thing I want to talk about when we come back from our first break is what we need to do during the summer and fall to get prepared for these situations. So let's go ahead and have that first break. We'll come back, talk about the outbound, and we'll go into some of the untold stories of 2016. Welcome back, everybody, to the Photog Adventures podcast. I'm talking about the outbound.com and how it helps you plan your adventures. Now, I'm using this right now because in the winter, I'm at the mercy of very difficult logistics and where I can possibly go, especially on a moment's whim when I thought, you know what, it's right now, it looks beautiful, I'm going to go. Where should I go? I have some options here that I never even thought of before, and I can use this all year round. I also reminded myself that, hey, there is a really pretty Brideville Falls, mm -hmm. a waterfall right down the road. I literally just go down this road here into the canyon and go to Brideville Falls. And that road is slick and dangerous at high speeds, but if I was driving safe, I don't have to do anything that's a crazy climb. Yeah, I think it's a maintained road, right? They plow it and everything, right? At that 3 a.m. in the morning, it they might weren't. not have been. No, no. no, but there are people who are driving on it while it was snowing, and mm -hmm. so I'm sure it had some tracks and some openings, and if Possibly, anything, yeah. I can take it safe. I didn't have yeah. gravity working against me that would have scared me out of my mind yeah. as I came down a hill and hit parked cars. So this was an option that I could have done that night. And the waterfall with the frozen water and the new snow, that could have been a glorious shot. Yeah. And that's one of the places we take for granted here being local is everybody yeah. talks about Bridal Falls. You've got to go there. And we still, I have never actually been. Because Honestly, I get sick of other people's stories. I'm like, I don't know if I really want to when go. When people say let's go to Bridalville Falls, I feel like they're saying let's go to the nearest mall and look at their water fountain. Right. That's what I feel like. I'm yeah, like, because yeah. it's just so over-talked about, but maybe they're talking <laughs> yeah. about it for a reason. So we need to go with our cameras and check it out. It is pretty magnificent, but I just see it so much. Like you said, I just take it for granted and don't yeah. realize how cool it might look for someone who isn't like me. See, and that's and in your backyard, kind of like kind of like how we talk, how we went to Garsman Pass. Oh, right. And we went there. We're like, wow, we have to come back here way more because this is a cool place. <laughs> you know. So it could end up being 
kind of like that. So let me look at a place that I used to live, uh, just because I know it's not, you know, beautiful Utah where you have constant outdoors. Let's look at St. Louis, Missouri. Mm-hmm. I love St. Louis, Missouri. I know that I think there's someone I've seen on our Instagram that has St. Louis, Missouri in their area because they have a yeah. lot of arc shots. Oh, okay. And I'll stick with hiking, photography, and snowshoeing and winter for my filter, and let's see what happens. Bum, 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 and go. So I haven't actually done this search before now, so hopefully it's not coming back with, we have no results. It's empty-handed, and we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Any of you living in the St. Louis, Missouri area will, might, might recognize some of these. It recommends going to hike the Hawk Ridge Trail, the River Scene Trail, Lone Wolf Trail, hike hmm. or bike chub. Oh, wait. <laughs> hike or, or bike, bike chub. chub trail. <laughs> There's chub trail. You can hike to Salt Lake Point. Salt Lick, and I'm near Salt Lake. We have a we have a similar <laughs> place there. Hike the Lewis and Clark trails. That'd be cool. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. And there's a lot of cool pictures here showing. Oh wow! Look at that rock, bouldering at Elephant Rock State Whoa. Park. That is a giant rock. It's an elephant rock, all right. What the heck? Where did that come from? <clears throat> did it get eroded around and it's still there? Did it get launched there from a crater or from wow, a volcano? Who knows? That's interesting. I mean, man, that is out of nowhere. Awesome. Wow. So, yeah, check this site out, guys. This is cool stuff. You can see anywhere in your local area where some cool places to hike are with picture references and even other reviews. Specific maps, specific instructions on, hey, avoid this, look to avoid that, mm. make sure you bring this in this time of wow, year, so yada, great. yada. It's awesome. How do we not know about this earlier? I don't know. I don't know. And I found several hikes that we are definitely doing here yeah. in the winter that yeah. we can go up and get a nice shot of these glorious peaks of the Wasatch yeah, Front. Nice. And it's going to be freaking awesome. So I recommend this site. The last thing I wanted to have is a tip that it's really just what I was thinking I should have done. I haven't done it myself. So let's all agree to do this in 2017. When you're out in the summer and the fall, when it's just, you can go anywhere and it's easy, take note of places that you would like to return for winter. Because if I had checked out the terrain on the Alpine Loop or maybe even some other hikes other than Dry Canyon, I could have more options that I figured out already. Also Mm -hmm. hiked already, where I'd feel comfortable going and doing in the more difficult scenario of doing it in the conditions of winter. Yeah, what's interesting is I went to a hike that I've been on a couple times before, snowshoeing a couple years ago. Yeah. And it was actually very, very easy because the trail, which was normally quite steep and rocky, and you have to cross the river. It was all just covered with like eight feet of snow. Oh, you're kidding. And so so we just walked across the surface of everything halfway I mean, we were halfway up the trees. And so even like, <laughs> it was just super easy to get, it was Donut Falls. So it was super oh, donut easy falls. That's the place to get go. to the falls in the winter because we just hiked over all the rocks and it was, it was just fluffy All the really steep all the terrain that you're doing, you just easy. took gradually. Yeah. Wow. I was really, really impressed with how easy it was to get there. Would you have done that hike if you had never done it before in the winter or would you have felt more nervous? Um, I think that was like my second time only. That I had been there before. Still a little nervous anyway. I wasn't nervous at all. Once I saw how high the snow was, we're just like, wow. I could just see easy. Just looks so easy. And it was. (laughs) So, yeah, it was really interesting. So don't get stuck, guys, like I did where you think, hey, right now, perfect new fall and snow. I'm going out and think, oh, crud. Yeah, if you can get to the location or close enough and you got snowshoes, go for it. Because snowshoeing is, I think, easier than regular hiking. I mean, it, it, I mean, it just, it's the terrain's going to depend on the terrain. It's going to vary. 
because some places will be icy and you could die. You know, so don't, don't yeah. take this as like the gospel's truth. Do it know? alone. Make sure you tell no one where you're going and <laughs> yeah. go somewhere icy. <laughs> yeah, bad advice. So let's go ahead and talk about some of those lost stories of 2016. Um, one of the podcasts that we lost was our podcast of our trip out to the Notch Peak. We've mentioned it a few times, but not some of the really cool, interesting locations. Yeah. Like, what did you? how did you even find this in the first place, the cabin? Okay, so I found the cabin when I was doing a Google Maps look around and kind of just Googling Notch Peak, because that's something that you had mentioned that you wanted to go to. So I did a little bit of research online, and I came across... I think it was just a little panoramio icon on the map. Once again, panoramio to the rescue. Yeah, I clicked on it and I boom, popped up this this picture of this cabin with the sun setting. And I'm like, what the heck is this thing? Maybe it was a sunrise because it was facing. Yeah. And you got to realize that Notch Peak is in an area that's, you know, half an hour, 40 minutes from the nearest town. And yeah, so it's, it's the, middle it's of nowhere. Yeah. You see a cabin like that, you wonder and this why. Little, yeah, this little rock cabin on this trail. And so I'm like, wait a minute, what is this? And you cannot see this cabin from the map. I mean, you have to zoom in all the way to finally see it. And so it was. if it wasn't for that picture icon, I would have never, I would have just glanced right over it because oh, it just yeah. looks like everything else. It just looks like a rock. So I could actually map it on the dirt road. It actually did create a map, uh, a route to the, to the cabin that we could actually follow from the GPS, which is pretty sweet. And we hadn't been here before. No. And by the time we arrived to this area after driving that day, black. we had delays renting the car where they were upselling me and, and ruining what I actually ordered. Mm. And then we finally got through traffic and we had some dinner and we get there. Oh, man, it was so late, so dark. And we had to figure out where this cabin was entirely on hope that the, the, the Google map that you still had cached was going to get us there. Yeah. Yeah. And it did. It did. It was pretty awesome. There's lots of dirt roads around that area. They crisscross so a lot. Many turns so many we weird. could have taken. Yeah, it worked out. It really was our first blast because we went out on our first rental car weekend. This was the first one of 2016, and it was April that we went. And we didn't have cameras, so none of it was recorded except for the nah, pictures. We didn't even have took. GoPros yet. Right. And so here we are out in our new rental, got a nice high clearance 4x4, and we're going mm -hmm. over these rocky trails heading into what is the pitchest dark area, hoping that at the end of this we'll find a cool cabin that is obviously <laughs> what a miner's cabin. Yeah, because as I did a little bit more research, I found that there's a little trail going from the cabin to it looked like a mining a hole in the ground with a little mine opening, and I'm assuming that as a, a miner that had a little stake, a little claim there, and had uh, built a little house there to mine with, mine through, and live there while he mined. So this location, when we got there, the cabin was on the outside really cool looking, but the inside just had been gutted. And some yeah. people have tried to re rebuild the floor with just modern plywood. Some of the wall was put back together with modern plywood, but it had a nice rock facade, mm -hmm. a doorway with the modern door, really. Kind of yeah, a modern plywood modern door. door. Maybe looked like hunters had maybe like up, Upgraded it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, just to, to use as a hump. block wind. So, yeah, yeah. Cool window, 
it obviously had a f- cooking stove in there, so mm-hmm. it wasn't such an old miner shack that was in the 1800s. I think it was more of a 1900s and later yeah, maybe, cabin. Maybe. So it had a cooking stove in there. You can see where it was obviously sitting, mm-hmm. and the chimney went right up from there. So it was a really cool, quaint, short, stubby cabin, small little cabin yeah. that uh, we scouted around it, went in there, and then we tried to get a shot with it. And I need to mention this. The weather patterns were saying, hey, at 11 o'clock, it's going to clear up. Right. All my clear dark sky information that said whether the sky was cloudy or not said, hey, at 11 o'clock, it was going to clear up. Right. It was completely cloudy. We couldn't see the moon anymore. We really thought, oh, that's a bust. It's a few hours off or it just isn't going to happen tonight. While we're just scouting around this cabin, all of a sudden the sky Whew, clear dried up. Yeah. I look at my watch and or my watch. I look at my cell phone and it says it's eleven oh six or something and I couldn't believe it. It was perfectly correct. And there it was. All that we went there for was astrophotography and finally it was open and we had a really cool mist of clouds on the horizon where the Orion constellation mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. So we started capturing all these shots of because of the fog of the clouds, it was making the stars of the Orion constellation really pop. Yeah, yeah. They were popping up against the more dimmer stars in the background. Betelgeuse was bright yellow. And then you have, oh, what's the other one? Mm. Oh, I'm not pulling it up right now. Starts with an R. Oh, I almost had it. <laughs> and that, that star is really blue. And so you get the really cool oh, yellow yeah, and the yeah, blue yeah. and the other star colors right there. You can see it in really fine detail, or I guess it's not fine, it was fuzzy detail, but it was cool detail because I brought it out right. up against the horizon with the cabin right here, and then we found out ah, it wasn't lit up enough. We just couldn't see any detail of the cabin. Yeah, so the cabin was really dark inside, and we didn't have any of the lighting stuff that we have now no, to we light this thing better. starting out. So we were totally novice at this thing, and so... The best thing we had was a little lantern type of thing that you I had. I had an LED camp lantern that yeah. you can turn on from low to high that has, like, I think, a tiny, tiny different lumen difference between low and high. Oh, yeah, yeah. It didn't look like much. It was nothing. So we put that inside the cabin, and then we took some shots and realized, wow, way too bright. Oh, yeah. It was like someone Overkill. was giving birth to an angel inside the cabin. Yeah. So we didn't know what else to do. Uh, we looked around for something to put maybe over the lantern, and then we found a yellow beanie that you had. Yeah, the yellow beanie turned out to be a great diffuser. It covered the entire lantern, so all the light was coming through this yellow of the of the beanie. We put it in the middle of the cabin, went back out, and all of a sudden, the cabin in our shots looked like it had a nice little warm fire going on, on the inside. Right. And yeah. that seemed so amazingly promising. So real quickly, we let's talk about these lost stories. What went well? What didn't go well? So, uh, Brendan, what went well for you and your photography? Um, and the photography... For this cabin specifically. Just, I was really just playing around with the long exposures. I really hadn't done too many before then, except for our previ- our first Milky Way shot. And so, I was still getting used to the, to the settings and everything. And I think maybe only a couple of shots really turned out maybe okay, maybe not okay. You know, like... I, I don't yeah. really think I had a whole lot of success with that particular location, that particular shot. Um, Same experience for me. Yeah. What went well was the fact that we got the light to work and then it ended up being a nice warm light and it yeah. complemented the cabin well. And then the clouds. The clouds are going really well to make Constellation great. But like our theme of pretty much all of 2016, we ran out of time. And right. the lower half of Orion was getting cut off by the minute. I had my camera set for auto white balance. Oh. And I was doing a panorama and stitching together a focus point of the road and a focus for infinity. 
focus point for the road in the next shot, focus point for infinity. And so I was taking two shots mm. to capture the mm -hmm. distant trail that the road that went up into the area where Orion's uh, constellation was shining over the mm -hmm. hills. Mm -hmm. So that was a really cool focal point in the leading line. And then there's the cabin as an accent. Well, as I was coming across from over here to just empty road, dark, pitch black with some Orion stars to what was lit by the cabin, the coloring of everything changed oh, and my auto yeah. white balance changed with it. And so as I'm doing my exposure for the street, my exposure for infinity, street, infinity, street, infinity, I get these patches of completely different white balanced area. On top of that, my focus didn't go well. I, I think I bumped my focus ring halfway through the panorama early oh. on. I wasn't taping it off with gaffer's tape at that point. And so I, oh no, I take that back. I was actually purposely focusing on the ground and then going up and ground going up. And when it came back in, I looked at everything. I just didn't do it well enough. Mm -hmm. So I had some really not crisp, not sharp shots with some really good sharp shots. And then the idle white balance was different. So all the work that it would have been to try and combine all these shots together and get the white balance um, unified, because mm -hmm. they were raw images. So I could have changed the white balance to yeah. anything. Yeah. But because the sharpness wasn't there, it wasn't worth that extra effort. Yeah. And that's kind of how it was for me, too. I think that a lot of my shots just were just like, nah. But, I mean, this was one of our – this was our very first actual, like, adventure. Yeah. That we rented a car and went out to some crazy place to do stuff. So we learned a lot from that, though. Even that first night, we made it – we did better the next night. Yeah. This area, would we go back to it? Absolutely. I think yeah. we should. But we have the – challenge of early season the milky way is behind us where that cabin is the front facade of the cabin is looking to the northwest mm -hmm. and so you're looking at the northwest side of the sky there's no milky way certainly no milky way core and so if you want the core of the galaxy being shown we'd have to go behind the cabin to see it in the early season of the milky way or we wait for that to be nice and vertical in october november and get down there mm -hmm. and if it's a clear enough road to do without being much of a hazard we should try and get a nice vertical Milky Way going up those hills. I wonder how much the core will be blocked. And so it would be interesting to go back and do that, get that yeah. light painting right, yeah. and take our nice 15-millimeter Tamrons now, get a nice mm -hmm. big wide-angle shot. We don't have to do a huge panorama stitch. This could turn right. out to be a great shot. Right. Yeah, I think that area is really cool, and it would be nice to go back with some more experience and really do it again. Absolutely. Do it better. It might not be something we do in 2017 unless we do go for it in late in the season because we have a lot already planned for 2017. Yeah. So the trail to get there was interesting. We had lots of rocks to cover. It was still pitch black. We were relying only on our headlights. And our exposures. We would go and do a long exposure and see what we had in front of us to know where to drive to because we couldn't see anything unless we took a long exposure. Remember that? Yeah. I would stop the car, pull the camera out, take 20 seconds and go, oh, there's Notch Peak. And then we yeah. follow the trails to go in that basic direction. Yeah, because, I mean, you're not in the middle of nowhere. You're, you're relying <laughs> only on your headlights. Your headlights don't shine out enough to see a mile ahead of you. Yeah, you the moon's already set. Yeah, we had nothing. I mean, the <laughs> mountains were just this pitch black giant thing, and we could barely see it. And it just wasn't enough light to navigate. No. And there was no cell reception, so we couldn't, like, get new maps or anything. And so it was really... Yeah, well, it was definitely an adventure. I mean, it's too bad we didn't catch it on video. Oh, I know. It Those been, poor people, when we video. pulled in around 3.30 a.m. to that spot where we were going to finally camp and then hike up to the notch. There were people there, there already There were people camping, camping and sleeping, and we kept getting stuck on rocks and having to go around little obstacles, and we'd get out of the car and sit there, and our engine would just idle. 
next to this poor guy's tent who's trying to sleep. Yeah. I felt so bad. I was so glad in the morning that when we woke up, they were already gone, so I didn't have to face them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because we had to sleep in. That was a very long night. When we got out there, finally found the location Mm. that we wanted to sleep, and then we went and moved around with our cameras and tried to find a nice Milky Way shot. We knew we had only so much more time left, so let's just keep going. We were there for astrophotography, so we just sleep during the day. So Brenda and I set up right in this small, tiny flat area that the best real area to set up a tent was up a little bit on a rock. We set Mm -hmm. up our tent up there. It's kind of precarious, kind of crazy. But I want to tell the story of one of my first camping experiences with Brendan. Mm. We didn't come ready for as cold as it got. At least Brendan didn't have extra pair of uh, underneath his pants tights that he could wear. And I had an extra pair. And I'm like, here, you can wear these. And these little gray tights he wore. We climbed in our sleeping bags. It was bags. your wife's yoga pants, right? <laughs> yes. Mm. Yes, it was female pants. Yeah. But, but I was cold. I, I put them on. <laughs> and you looked great. And that's where my story's going is because we were sleeping in this tent and we were sleeping from, what, 5.30 in the morning until 10. So yeah. you know how hot it gets in a tent in the morning when you're camping. Once that sun has oh, risen man, and it's beating down it on your brutal. summertime campsite, yeah. oh, it's so hot. So Brendan got too hot, got out of the sleeping bag and fell asleep on the outside of it. So by the time I finally opened my eyes, ah, oh, Notch Peak is great. I look over, <laughs> I look over at Brendan and right in my face are his two butt cheeks as he has these gray tights on him. And I'm like, oh, gosh. Oh, good morning. Last thing you want to see. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to roll over my sleeping bag and see two humps. You should have just took a picture and sent it to my wife and be like, here's what you're missing. You think I wanted that on my phone? <laughs> Someone casually going through my phone. Hey, what are these? What are oh, yeah, she's hot, right? <laughs> Change the picture. <laughs> uh, so Brendan looks great in gray tights, and um, whatever you do, sleep the other direction. Don't look towards him in the morning. Yeah, save your eyesight. Don't blind yourself. <laughs> but at least you weren't hot, right? Warm. I was. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is camping in the anywhere in the desert. Once that sun comes up, man, it's just brutal. <laughs> so let's go ahead and have our last break and then we'll come back quickly and talk about two landmarks in the Delta area, our trip down to the silo, my challenge with the Payson Temple of trying to capture a Milky Way in a very bright area. Then we'll do a quick gear time and tip of the week. Welcome back to the final segment of the Photog Adventures podcast. We're talking about Delta, the Delta area here in Utah, where we go to Notch Peak. And on our way out, we saw some really cool stuff, the Severe Lake there. Remember that crazy yeah, lake? Yeah, and I saw that on the map. And on the map, it looks like it's blue. It looks like there's water. You're talking Google Maps satellite, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. talking about a satellite image. And I'm like, oh, there's a big lake out there. That's cool. Let's go check that out. So as we were driving out of Notch Peak back towards Delta for like lunch heading out we're heading out we're because heading your out wife your wife called and said she needed That's you to right. go to Arches National Park cuz she was going on a Moab that weekend so that turned into an Arches trip for me as that weekend as well that <laughs> yeah. was fun for you i just got to drive back yeah. i drove a thousand miles that weekend yeah, it was awesome that was crazy <laughs> so yeah um that was a crazy weekend that was fun it really was i but, wish we had um, a gopro then as we were driving back and it was the middle of the day we're looking out and sure enough we could see the lake i mean it was clearly yeah. water out there very white though but clearly yeah. water yeah so so we decided to find a little trail that was heading out towards the lake we finally found one beelined it towards the lake and the closer we got we just saw 
dirt, sand, dirt, sand, dirt, sand. And we realized that it was a giant mirage. It was a complete mirage, the entire lake. So from the highway, it just looked like a giant lake. I mean, it was <laughs> obviously water. I mean, you could see it. And that's the trippy thing about the desert. When you don't live near a desert and you see these mirage cartoons or whatever, like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, people talking about mirages and stuff, you just think, how could pe- people possibly be fooled by yeah, that? Yeah, why would you think that's water? If you were a mile away and you're walking towards this thing, you thought you finally had a mile left. And you could finally get some refreshment, finally get some water, dip your hands and your body get cool. And you get there and it's just powder <laughs> dirt. <laughs> sand i mean it was just crazy i had that sensation where i thought okay we drive down this and go over here we'll be at the edge of the water oh wait no it's not here i must have gotten mixed up somewhere okay it's down across this area and we'll go further that there oh no once you get to that spot there's no water so i was thinking okay i must have really gotten mixed up i'm not seeing the. and then i realized what was happening Mm -hmm. i actually had that experience where i thought oh it's right here total trip and i just kept going further and further and further and we had to stop the vehicle at that point we're like okay we can't keep driving out on this right then we're like let's get the drone it's awesome let's pull the drone out and it was super gusty like wind. we saw this really weird thing it looked like a wind like hall it was like a wind tunnel but like sideways where the wind was like blowing in this direction and it's almost like two wind two wind fronts were like meeting and then converging and blowing because we could we could see clearly on the other side of the highway and then when we went through to the other side of the lake i could see this this just this hall of dirt from like ground level up to like i don't even know 100 or 200 feet and there's just this wall of wind blowing this yeah, dirt picking this, up this very this light wall sand of dust yeah it was the trippiest thing, and I don't really know if I got a very good picture of it. I got, like, you no. can see it in a couple of the shots that I took. You can see it in the background, but you don't really appreciate how crazy this thing was because it was, like, a couple of miles long, this just giant wall of dust. It was the trippiest thing because I've seen dust devils, but this was, like, a row of it. I mean, it was <laughs> yeah. just nuts. It is, and we have the picture in our About page. If you go to our website and go to the About page, you'll see Brennan sitting in a tire. And you can see out in the distance the clear side of that lake. Mm-hmm. But the opposite side, it was all stormy and gusty and insane. And it wasn't blowing dust in our face. No, no, no. It was no. just along totally this corridor flat. of wind. It was just the craziest thing. It was, it was just a weird like natural phenomenon, I guess. Maybe it's normal for the area. I don't know, but it, it was cool. It's an area that I can't wait to go back out again and explore yeah. and just go further out in the lake and just see what it's like. I mean, it's not a lake. It's a dry bed. It's right. a, It can be a lake depending on how much it rains. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it does have some water sometime of the year, like maybe early spring. Yeah. And then, there, and then what's crazy is we look down at this. I mean, it's just desolate. It was like white powdery dirt, crackly. I mean, just what you kind of like the salt flats. It was very yeah, similar. Very. And we look down and there's a bearded dragon. Right oh, there really cool in a little animal. bush. I'm like, what is this little guy doing? And I'm like, what is this guy possibly eating? Like, there's nothing out here. And then we look down next to him, a little beetle is walking by. And I'm like, holy moly, this guy has food. <laughs> like, this is crazy. But uh, even in the middle of desolate desert, there's life. It's nuts. It's a cool reminder, actually. It really is. And another reminder of life, of human life, a crazy weird thing is Delta Solar Ruin. Which I didn't see until... 
I was looking at the phone on the map. No, we saw that crazy stuff out there. We didn't know what it was. Oh, that's right. We saw the crazy structures, and I looked up real fast, and there was actually a review left on Google. (laughs) Google review. And this guy said, Delta Seller Rooms. I'm like, what the heck is this? (laughs) And he left four four or five-star review and said, this is basically what it is. If you're in the area, you should check it out. We're like, okay. Okay. And that's where we finally got our drone out. Yeah. We hadn't pulled it out for anything else yet, but here was a perfect opportunity where we can get up there and show that entire scene with the with the drone. One, and that was the first time we decided to do videos. I mean, because you got your camera out and set to video mode. Yeah. And then I had the drone video footage, and we said, we're going to make a video out of this. This will be cool. It was actually this weekend. We already decided in, April, in, in March that we wanted to do something together, and we wanted to call ourselves something. And here in April, a month later, on this trip, we're trying to decide what to call ourselves. And it was yeah, on this trip. We had yeah. a few ideas here, there, here, there, and Brendan's still in arches. I'm driving back, and it's 3 a.m. in the morning, and I'm trying to head back into Utah County. And Brendan's texting me. He's like, what about Photog Adventures? I'm like, Photog Adventures? Maybe. Yeah, you weren't really too excited about it at No, first. not initially. Your, your feedback was like, yeah, that could work. Of course, I was over, overly worked and driving constantly and really sleepy. Yeah. So it wasn't until the next day that we decided that, yes, that actually would work. It sounded nice. And I think once I found out that photogadventures.com was available, it <laughs> yeah. really sealed the yeah. deal. Yeah. So it was on this trip that we actually came up with the name. Right. And I'm surprised no one else had it. Yeah, it was just one of those things that just kind of fell out, fell out of my mind or something, rolled off my tongue. Fell, out, sure. of <laughs> fell out of my mind. My ideas fall from my mind. <laughs> <clears throat> like beautiful rainbow showers. This is the problem with doing our unicorns. podcast at 2 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are at the Delta Solar Ruins. Uh, quickly describe it. We have a video on YouTube of it. It's one of our. It's our very, very, very first video. There's not a lot of audio in there. It's just a quick song. Brendan talks about it. I seem a little aghast. What was this? And then we go back to the song, and that's it. So it's a very short video. Check it out if you want to see what we're talking about. But describe what the heck's going on. Yeah, so I did a little bit more research on these things, and what they are are these giant um, solar panel um, magnifiers. So they're supposed to magnify the sun light and burn into these buckets that they had hanging in the bottom and burn like... I don't know, wood and coal yeah. or something to create heat. And uh, then from that heat, they would transfer the heat into energy. So they're, they're planning on making this as basically a, an alternative energy project is what it was. One of the cool guys that follows us, Kurt, he pointed out that these are Fresno lenses that they had on here. And they focused the light and that the whole entire thing was a sham. There's an article in the paper talking about how it was an entire tax sham where they got all this funding and everything so that they can do something with the taxes of it, write it off in some way. It was a fake project really? for tax fraud. That's crazy. Because yeah. these things are these, these giant mechanical monstrous things. And in the video, you, think you can three see stories how high beautiful or two these stories things high. are. Yeah, they're like three stories high. I think they were three, yeah. And they were just like these amazing structures, you know. So the Delta yeah. area is cool. We're going to go back out there. There are some sand dunes north of, of oh, the Delta yeah. area that we want to go and capture yeah. some Milky Way in the desert looking like you're talking Arabian desert right. look. And so that right. would be so cool to have a Sahara Milky Way shot just mm-hmm. because you have some dunes. It's going to be cool. So we're going to be out in that area again. Last thing we want to talk about is our trip. Brenda and I are out scouting locations after looking at this trestle, and we're in the daytime in this one old mining area. And in the distance, we see 
this little tall structure. Like, hey, what's that? It's down that road way out there. We saw a tall structure, and that just kind of sat in my mind. A week mm-hmm. later from that, I was leaving that morning to go out to the Knolls, which is about a two-hour drive from my home. And as I'm leaving, I left probably just an hour later than I expected. And I'm thinking, okay, once I get there, it'll be this time. I'll have this much time left over. I won't have tons of time. And that's when I just last minute decided, you know what, just drive somewhere else. Go south. Mm. See what you can find south. So as I'm driving south, I came across in the distance. If you've seen the three Milky Ways in one night video, you know what I'm talking about. There's this really bright building. It's a church, a temple that is lit at night. But we're in this area that's just at the southern edge of Utah County that has a lot less light pollution, but it's still in light pollution. Remember the tip in the past, if you're in light pollution, but you're looking out in a direction that's away from the light pollution, your Milky Way will show up. Mm-hmm. But when you're looking at something that has light pollution between you and the Milky Way, that's where it gets completely washed out. Yeah, yeah. And so if you're in a green, orange area and you're thinking, oh, you know, I'm not very much out of light pollution, as long as you go to the edge of it and go to the edge that's going to put you on the edge of it and the Milky Way out in the open, you'll be fine. So here I was thinking, I'm in that situation and I can see a little bit of the Milky Way with my own eye right now. Let's see if I can capture a cool shot with this awesome ornate temple building and have the Milky Way up above it. So I went out there. I challenged myself to do that. I tried exposed to the right. I did a little bit more effort to try and get a lot of detail in the shot. I was renting a Canon 6D. Mm. I was able to use my Rokinon 24mm for its full power. And I loved it that night. It turned out really well. I think I can do even better next year because what I did wrong is as I'm taking a picture of this temple it's a very very bright object and I didn't block the temple with something where I I can stop the glare in the sky from happening on my camera now the sky was still getting light from the temple no matter what but when I took my shot that really exposed the temple well and then exposed the ground around it well and then exposed for the Milky Way and I combined them all you end up with this shot that's so perfectly exposed on the temple but the Outside the temple is this glow, just right next Mm -hmm. to the temple is this crazy glow. And because I didn't have my thumb or something blocking that glow right on top of the temple, I ended up with this weird, bizarre look of this composited temple overlaying a glowing background. So where it had shadows and contrast, it was so blown out in the sky around it that there's this light source seemed like it came from something else. Oh, interesting. It didn't seem like it came from the temple, and it looked foreign. And because of that foreign and disconnect between the light behind it and the temple itself, it looked like I had just Photoshopped the temple into the shot instead of that it was the source. When it looks fake and it's not. Yeah. Yeah. So when you see my picture, you see that I actually have a blown-out, overexposed top part of the Mm -hmm. temple. Mm -hmm. And I did that just because... You can see where that light is coming from now because it's so bright Bright. up there that it gives context for the light that's glowing around it and then saved the shot, really. And it it took a lot of time to get to that point. Because I remember when you were showing me originally, you were showing me an A and B. Yeah. You know, versus these these two different layers. I'm like, yeah, the overexposed top looks, looks way better because it looks more natural. Whereas before, it did look fake, and it was just like, oh, yeah. And it just, wasn't fake, and it's just, yeah, you can't. Yeah. Uh, it was the worst, and I spent hours on it one Saturday, just hours and so, hours. And, and so as photographers, you have this decision when you're post-processing is, like, do you want to go for what is actually real, or do you want to, you know what I mean? Like, like change things the, a little bit or yeah. make it look more. So it's, it's perception versus reality at this point. 
you know. Yeah, I bracketed the scene very well, which is yeah. a proper technique. Yeah. But then when you bring them together, you broke what was real about it with the light source in that scene, and there, I just didn't have a version of the shot without that light source glowing. Yeah, and so you can. So then, at that point, you have a decision: Do you want to go like the the extreme HDR, the Trey Ratcliffe type of you know extreme, <laughs> yeah. old, you know surreal look, or do you want to tone it down and make it look more like you would see with your normal eyes? And so you have a lot of interesting choices, I think, when you're post processing, which which is it's a whole other subject we can talk about later. I mean, it's just it's just nuts how how deep you can go into editing your photos once you take them. So. Yeah. And I have a theory right now that I can block the light and fix it and make it look better, but I'm not so sure I can. Yeah, maybe a gradiated filter. Flip yeah, upside I down. think that's the maybe option. Maybe something like that, where you have the clear up top where the Milky Way's come through, but the but then you have the, the yeah, you know, the darker. It side tones the down the light around the temple as well as the temple, right? And it does it uniformly and not look fake. Yeah. So normally you would do, mm. you know, you have the you'd have the shaded side on the top normally during the daytime to to block the sunlight out more, but this yeah. way you'd flip it. Oh, and I got to so do that. That could be an interesting thing to check, to try out later. Yep. Definitely put that on the list of 2017 right there. Okay. So then that night after I took the picture of this temple and had the milk you in and had a great success, I kept driving and I was driving over to where I believed that silo was my phone. Mm. I didn't have great service. I wasn't going to have cell signal. I couldn't follow a map. I just had to go to where we were when I saw it. And hope I guess the right road. I mean, they're not too, there's not too many roads in that area. So it's True. not like I had a, a really tough choice. But it was in the morning, pitch black. I got to find it. But I was really excited about finding that tall building that was out in the distance. That big, giant concrete structure. We and saw. I had rented a GoPro. And so I'm talking to the camera and oh, the GoPro, right. and I'm bringing it along with me for this whole adventure. And that's why I have that video. Mm-hmm. And so at one point, I'm talking to the camera, driving down US 6, heading towards this area. And all of a sudden, out jumps a rabbit in the road. And you can see in the video where I'm like, oh, there's a rabbit. And because I let go of the selfie stick that's holding the GoPro and the GoPro kind of moves, it ends up looking like I grab the steering wheel and, and kind of avoid the rabbit too much. But no, no, I kept it perfectly steady and thought, sorry, rabbit, I'm not dying. You're going to have to be the one that goes. And oh, man, <laughs> you can hear the thud of the rabbit on both my axles as I went over it. It was pretty pretty horrifying. <laughs> so I killed a rabbit on my way out to this area, but I got out to the area and Brendan's been out here and it turns out that tall building is an abandoned silo. There aren't any other buildings right there. It's just the silo, really tall. It has four cylinders attached to it to make mm-hmm. the silo and graffiti on the very bottom of it. And it's just empty area right next to a train track. Yeah. You went there and found that place. You brought us back. You brought me and Travis back with you was it like a week later? Really soon after, yeah, because yeah. I wanted that Milky Way the way it looked, and so we kept going back. Yeah, and so we brought Travis with us, which is Aaron's brother-in-law, and uh, that was kind of cool because uh, we we had fun with the third person that we had never done before, and so it was fun to bring someone else along with us. And uh, we had some cars driving by on that road. The train eventually came by. Oh, that was mystical. And that was amazing because we hear this noise off in the distance. We're like, oh, yeah, okay, it's clearly a train. But then it went away. It seemed like it never came. That's why it seemed so mystical. Like, yeah. where is it? Where did it, it go? Was it, where, was it on the other side of that hill? Like, where <laughs> was this thing? And then we heard it louder and louder and louder. Then we could see the light coming, and we're like, holy cow, it's coming this way. It actually is coming, and it's coming towards us. Yeah, so 
at one point in time, I'm guessing that that silo was a granary of some sort, and the train would would stop there, and they would you know unload or load stuff in yeah, and out of the silo, sense. you know, because it's right on the track. And so that train went by. We got some exposures of that going by, some long exposures of all the train lights, and then we that had car really trails. Wicked. And I mean, we had a lot of cool opportunities with that spot. So it it'd be a lot of fun to bring a group back to that spot. It's a really awesome place for quick access. You're oh, on yeah. a paved road the entire way. Yeah. Plus, it's really just 40 minutes outside of the city limits and the areas that are Utah County that we can meet up with people. And it's still dark, too. And it's still dark. It's yeah. still a dark sky site. Yeah. And so it's fantastic for quick access, easy for everybody, dark skies. People can see the Milky Way with their naked eye. Yeah. And you get to practice light painting a surface that's not exactly easy to light paint or hard either yeah. you have to do it a certain way to really have a nice look but it's definitely a cool practice area for milky way shots yeah so eventually we'll have a group maybe this summer come out with us and absolutely and this year take it take a small group out there whether it's a whether it's a meetup group or whatever we'll, we'll, we'll figure out with you guys what you want to do and we'll we'd love to take you out there if you guys are in the Utah area, honestly, contact us. We have a we have a guy who's becoming a friend of ours who's contacted us through Instagram, and he wants to go out to this area that we are going to go with our cameras here in the winter. Yeah. And seriously, hit us up. Hit us up. We would not love nothing more than getting out there with you guys with the camera, bring, bring our stuff along, do a photog adventure with you, and we'll take you yeah. out to these locations here in Utah and do some astrophotography. Yeah. It'll be fun. So let's go ahead and jump into Gear Time with Brendan. Today, we're going to talk about the retro lenses. We just did a little Gear Time video um, that you can find on YouTube that explains those lenses. I'm going to talk about the adapters that you need for those lenses. So I'm looking for a retro lens. I'm looking for a screw type lens that's an M42. And there's a difference between an M42 and an M39. And you'll come across those as you look on eBay and such. I recommend getting the M42s because they're a little bit newer lenses. They're threaded to fit better on the adapters that you need. You're looking for an M42 lens. That's the, that's the millimeter um, of the screw at the end. And then you can find anything you want. You can get 28 millimeters. You can get 50 millimeters. You can get 135 millimeters. I mean, there's a, there's a ton because a screw type lens was used for like decades, a couple decades. You know, like a lot of lenses were made. So you, get, you can get Russian lenses, you can get lenses that are Fujinon, you can get Hanamax, you can get Tachymars, and there's all kinds of manufacturers. Pentax, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think it was a Pentax mount originally. So then you, get, you, you find your M42 lens, you, you order it, you get anywhere, anywhere from 10, 20, 50, 100 bucks, you know. The Tachymars, the 50mm 1.4s typically sell for about 120-ish, 150-ish for good ones, up to 200 for really mint ones. And they're still selling on eBay. You can pick them up. They're really fun to play with. So you buy one of those, and you're going to need an EOS to an M42 screw type to, to EOS adapter. The one that I got recently had an issue with the with being a little bit too narrow in the middle hole where the where the back of the lens came out. So I actually had to shave that out with a Dremel tool. But the reason I got it is because the electronics were were upgraded and newer. If you want to use your focus assist, so if you want to use a manual lens, then you can get the com the focus confirmation chip on the back of these adapters. So when you screwed onto your regular camera, when you're in focus, like and it focuses in the middle point, which most people are fine with. And so when you find your focus, it actually beeps. It shows a little red light and it beeps on your camera to tell you that your focus is that's where your focus is at. And so they're really handy to use with an old lens. It makes it feel like a newer lens, even though it's not. Mm -hmm. It's all manual. 
and you can change your f-stop down to whatever you want you got full f control of your focus and so you can have a lot of fun especially in studio or doing macro photography these are great lenses to use and they still give you that kind of retro feel if you use it for video which a lot of people do um, since you're not going to be using autofocus for the most part on some of your cameras you're going to pop this thing on do a video shoot and you can have full control over the f-stop get some good depth of field or shallow depth of field and really just have fun with it and get that really cool retro look from these you know 70s and 80s lenses so if you have any questions or comments be sure to hit us up you can hit us up on instagram or on facebook or twitter the podcast posted the podcast. on our photogadventures.com site you can go in there and There's write a comment, comment. section there yeah. it will get moderated first so you will see nothing after you post it uh -huh. but we will see it right away and we will read it and reply so feel free to post on our website guys we need more comments there and we like to build that community up more so that's basically gear time retro lenses so our tip of the week is something that is possibly just for me i mean this is another thing that maybe you can comment on in our, our podcast pages do you think i'm right about this now my tip is don't go out and buy shutterbug the magazine if you're like me in this situation where we're beginner photographers this year, last year, you know, just getting started, and you think, ah, I want a magazine that's about my favorite hobby. Yeah, resources, right? So of course. Oh, man, let me just show you what happens. Let me just, at random. All right, I've opened up to a random page. It's an ad. Next page, there's one page article, another page ad. Article, ad, article, ad. Uh, da, 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 da. Hey, there's two pages of articles right in a row. Hey, like gear information. Page. Hey, mm -hmm. there's two more, but with the with an ad inside the page. You got an inset image, ad, full page ad, full page ad. Full. Oh my gosh! So what you have here? Imagine if you got on the internet and was searching camera equipment, mm -hmm. but you had giant pop-up ads that were almost every paragraph. That's what it feels like when you're looking at this magazine. I was really excited about the Shutterbug magazine. I had the Astronomy magazine, and it was already kind of so-so where it had you know mm. plenty of ads in there. But I had awesome articles that I really felt like I couldn't get anywhere because they had writers for it. In here, I know that there are some articles, probably two or three in each Shutterbug, that I wouldn't have gotten anywhere else. But right. For the most part, this information is out there on the internet. I have favorite people I like to follow that are talking about this information. Mm -hmm. I just don't pull up my shutter bug when it arrives and think, yay, I'm going to read this through and through. I have a hard time deciphering where the dang good content is because I'm just constantly in an ad, constantly in an ad. So if you really enjoy just playing Where's Waldo with interesting content, get a Shutterbug magazine <laughs> because it'll be a fun test of your abilities to find good content between all of the noise of the ads. So I just don't recommend it for new people. I don't know if it gets better for people who've had this hobby for longer. Someone tell me that I'm wrong and what the major benefit is. It just seems like this information's outdated by the time they even print it, let alone mm. by the time I've seen it. I've heard these things online. I've seen it at Petapixel. I've heard it being talked about in podcasts. Yeah. It's like, yeah. why do I need this information now written to me in something that's inconvenient and cumbersome to read? So I don't recommend Shutterbug at all or possibly any magazine. You tell me if, you've a lot, if you guys have a magazine out there that you think is worthwhile to add and subscribe to and read every month, please let me know because yeah. it seemed like a fun thing to have and it hasn't been at all. And maybe there are there. I mean, there definitely are better magazines than 
I mean, it's a competitive market. Yeah, so I might want a photography journal instead of a magazine because yeah. a journal is more about the stories. Or I was hoping that photographers, you know, written for photographers, were going to yeah. be mentioning not only the equipment but how they use it. And you know, it's just, just yeah, it looks like a lot of ads. It's been created yeah. for the masses, and it hopes the masses can see just this awesome camera equipment that you absolutely need. So avoid Shutterbug. Enjoy. Just the internet. The internet's fantastic. <laughs> Sorry, magazines and newspapers. You guys are just They're gone. They're feeling it. They're feeling oh, it. Oh, they felt it. Oh, yeah. For a long time now. So thank you guys for joining us on another Photuck Adventure podcast. I am sorry that we are recovering here in the King household, that my wife is having a recovery moment and that we haven't been able to get out to another location. We'll keep posting new pictures as we get out there. It is coming. She is healing. We have a lot planned for this year. I have a figured out way of enjoying winter now thanks to Outbound.com. Absolutely. Theoutbound.com. Totally recommend it. Can't wait to use it. We're going to get out there more. Don't forget to look at our YouTube channel, from Photog Adventures, YouTube slash Photog Adventure. Yeah, we've recently graduated to where they let us use an actual word as our custom URL instead of just a bunch of string of letters and numbers. So this is fantastic. Yeah, so look for Bryce and Zion coming out soon and our gear time. And we mentioned it a few times already. Just please go to our website and put some comments down. If you have some critiques or some interesting things that you'd like us to talk about or cover, please let us know. We'd love to follow that information and use that in our podcast going forward. So thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it. We'll talk to you guys again in another seven days. Have a good week.